What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did Its Marvel Pair-Ups, Loki Through the Years, where we are taking every episode of Loki and pairing it up with a time travel movie to explore how time travel and multiverses are affecting the MCU, Loki as a character, and what the genre has done to influence other genres that it takes a part of. There usually are mixed and matched with other things because you're not just going through time, you're doing other goofy nonsense with it. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Jamie Jarrock. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And this week, we are looking at the episode two of Loki. The show continues to be great, and we are pairing it up with a 1994 sci-fi classic film, Time Cop. Truly, uh, not enough people talk about this movie, but it is great. We'll talk about it. Let's get into it. Jamie, what did you think of episode two of Loki? Oh, so good. I mean, it's just so much fun. The Owen and Tom's chemistry continues to be such a delight. Um, I'm so excited for Sophia DiMartino, uh, whether she's Lady Loki or not. I know there's some questions there. I don't, it doesn't matter. She just it looks cool. Um, and that's what, that's what matters to me. Um, I, I, she's i've only ever seen her on the show flowers but i love her in that so so much that i'm so excited that she's about to like blow up um and uh yeah that's what i thought of it she's brand new to me i have no i have never seen her before and i was like cool I, whether you're lady loki or whomever the heck else people are pontificating she is sounds good to me i i dug the episode i like Especially now that I've seen them both, I can now understand why they sent the first two episodes to people first without the rest. Because this, those two act almost like a one uniformed pilot episode because what the show is going to be sort of seems like what we're going to get from this point on, uh, which looks like a mix of a The Fugitive with Quantum Leap, which is great because both Loki, Loki's chasing Loki while the TBA is chasing, chasing him. I dug this episode a lot. It reminds me how a lot of procedurals do, though, with uh, like Castle or any of these shows or Lucifer, where they're like, cool, we'll use the guy like we're we're cops. We'll, we can do all cop thing, but we'll use the guy who has some some sort of knowledge on this stuff, quasi, and we'll make them a cop, too. And that's sort of what this is. And it's like a tongue in cheek way of doing that. And I think just the whole road that this episode used for Loki to kind of figure out how the other Loki was hiding in streams of time. I was like, oh, that's, I like that. That's fun. That's pretty, I want to do more of this. Um, but then it looks like we're getting a completely different show, but I'm down for it. I love the whole little tit for tat that Loki was giving as, as um, Lady Loki was giving as she was hopping from one person to, to another, uh, just having a, a meeting of the minds. It's sometimes the dialogue stuff gets me more than the action beats most of the time in these films that's what gets me more and i and i really i really dug that about this episode i completely agree i think we're getting a lot of interesting stuff with how the rules of this show work even just little things of the miss minutes recording saying that she's a recording and talking to him all kind of coalesces into this this anomaly of the tva and what they're really doing Owen Wilson continues to be just an absolute treat to watch. I love watching Loki discover aspects of himself and confront who he really is through this mystery of, well, no, I, I'm doing this kind of magic. And those are two very different skill sets and I'm very clever and smart and good and kind of dealing with no one being impressed by it or it having very little to do 
uh, the needle drops of um, where have all the heroes gone? Phenomenal. Loved seeing that. It is weird that that was just in the guard, like the video game, the Guardians as well. I was like, okay, well, this song's now getting a bit overused. Was it in something else? I think there was like a third thing that it was recently in too. Yeah. I was the like, internet oh. was, was going all on off about that. Yeah. It's a good day for those royalty checks. It is. <laughs> Although I'm sure we're all still listening to it on Shrek 2, the clearly best version of that song. <laughs> the fairy godmother. Uh, but everything else was like, I also loved the uh, Loki bouncing from people to people, seeing something we've never seen Loki do, but sort of a piece of what the Mind Stone might have been capable of. Mm-hmm. So we're not, I'm not too sure what all is there, getting more of an idea of how Loki's magic actually works and what his power sets really are. And it's seeing all of these branches at the end. And I did love the time travel rules of, well, nobody really pays attention to cataclysmic events. So that's where that she can hide and keep mm-hmm. going back here, going and messing around with things, coming back here. This is always the same. Your records are the same. Him reading Ragnarok and coming to terms with all of these things that haven't happened to him, but we as the audience know. And I can't think of another time where we've gotten to see an actor deal with watching these sort of aspects of themselves, other than every other time travel movie that's ever existed. But... <laughs> You know, when you take those out, I've never seen it. I think we're setting up for a lot of interesting things. I, you know, it's Loki. So you never know which side he's on. You don't know what side she's on. We don't know if these two are going to work together. Is he trying to break the TVA? Is he working for them and trying to double, I don't want to say double team her, but, you know, play both sides of that as well. And make her think he's an ally and then betray her. And if that'll even work, I want to explore more of this character and more of her backstory. And why is she doing what she's doing? Is she trying to break the TVA? Is she mad that her Loki died as well? And what are the motivations? We don't know. And there's only so few episodes left. (laughs) Yeah. Stranded once again without Marvel. I think I love just the look that Loki gives before he hops through that door at the very end. Cause you're like, I, there's so much going on through that head. Like, am I doing this? Am I doing this to chase her? Am I doing this to get away from TV? You guys can't control me once I'm on the loose. F it. I'm going. I, I, I was like, Oh, this is this. That's Loki making all of these decisions in a split moment. Like, well, good day. I'm going to go have fun. <laughs> if nothing else, I'm going to go have a party. And it's interesting for a character like Loki, who we've seen always thinks he's the most powerful, has the upper hand, be confronted with this seemingly new power set that another version of him can do. So we're already challenging the notion that he is the best Loki, that there are other iterations and abilities he's unaware of, that maybe he's even capable of. Right. And then all the fun places we saw, we Titan, uh, Jotunheim, Asgard, Ragnarok, parts of Earth, all of these different variant branches and where they are. Fascinating. And I I just want to see all of them. I'm now curious, are we going to do this like alternative greatest hits of the MCU? Yeah, I know. I was like, this can be a live action. What if considering all those variants, I mean, all those branches have broken Uh, off. So this could be fun. Yes. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. But this brings us to another crime thriller with a time travel backdrop. It's 1994. 
Jean-Claude Van Damme has once again created an action epic in a movie where he has to deal with joining his own version of the time police. The American government is using it to make sure that what they're calling ripples, which I think would be similar to branches, aren't created. We open with Confederate coins being used to buy nuclear warheads years later. People have the ability to go back in time and manipulate the stock market. And of course, a politician is using it for his own financial gain to become the president of the United States and blah, 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 blah. Caught <laughs> up in all of this is, of course, a 90s style love story where he has to go to the future only to go to the past to save the woman he couldn't save. I'm, of course, talking about Time Cop. <laughs> Terrence, tell yeah. us about Time Cop. <laughs> uh, that was a really good synopsis there. Um, yeah, I, I, this was the heyday or height of Van Damme for me, uh, 94, because Universal Soldier was right around this time and Hard Target sort of came out after this. And this is his second highest grossing film. So at this point in time, he was like the guy um, this was sort of on the tail end for him, uh, chasing right before Arnold blew up. I dug this. I love this movie. I'm a sucker for time stuff. Anything that deals with time. Uh, it kind of reminds me, that's probably why I love Minority Report so much, even though it's not a time travel movie. It's dealing with the ability to see stuff in the future. So anytime you can say, hey, this happened at this point in time. If we go back and redo that exact same sequence again, or that seems, can we change anything? I was like, oh, this is fun. But you put Van Damme doing splits and random, <laughs> random shit in it. And you're like, well, I'm sold. Let's do it. And it's still, to this day, Max Walker and, and, and Van Damme clearly is not the best actor. But they're just, you can tell he's just having a lot of fun. And as, a, as an audience member, I too was having fun. There's some crazy, real weird special effects. And you're like, there's a lot of plot holes in this movie. I'm not going to lie. I know Time Cop has a lot of, like, even in the constraints of the way that time works, you're like, okay, hold on. A lot of this stuff doesn't work. But it is still overall just a fun, just one of those cult classic type. Demolition Man, I put in that same category, was like those cult classic. I was thinking of Demolition like, Man a lot yeah. during the movie. Because <laughs> I had never seen Time Cop before. Uh, and let me tell you, it is real up my alley um <laughs> wow i loved it just uh, first of all just like ridiculous action movies like that are so my thing and just jean-claude van damme the way he i mean my favorite was when he like gets up on the kitchen counter with like the splits and can split i know it's, like impressive i'm like you know that jean-claude van damme has asked his own d before like that was and look I don't know a guy, if you're that flexible, I don't know any man that's like, all right, let's give this a shot. Let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that your takeaway of Time Cop is he's probably pulled this off. <laughs> yeah, that was my first thought. Um, I, I think it's so interesting that they literally have like, what, what's the what's the name of his, the T? The, T-E-C, the T-E-C. Yeah, that it's yeah. like so similar to the TVA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's really funny. And it's, um, but it's like the main difference is the thing where it's, there's just a timeline that you can change, which mm -hmm. is, you know, like the days of future past way. Um, whereas that's different from from Loki. And I always, um, I'm, I'm, I think that I prefer alternate, like spreading out and stuff than to just one strict timeline. But the one strict timeline, I is I love because it's like higher stakes. 
like um like we were talking about last week with like back in the future too he goes back and he messed up the whole he messed everything up and i think that stuff's really interesting but um for this one there was one thing that i loved is like you they you oftentimes and this is with Loki has this too. Oftentimes um, you're not supposed to like interact with your past self. And I liked the villain was like constantly talking to himself. That was yeah. really interesting. And when spoiler alert, when they finally like touch, that was so funny the way that they died. I love that. Oh yeah. That movie really walked so Southland tales could run. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It gets into that very interesting thing that I, I don't think you see a lot in time travel, but definitely used to be a part of it. And I don't know if there was some pseudoscience in the nineties and the early thousands where they came to this conclusion that the same molecules cannot occupy the same space. And we see it here and it's Southland tales and a couple of other TV shows where if you like, if you come in contact with yourself, it, all of reality is destroyed. Like and having, this like Cronenberg climax where the villains merge and vanish was just such a, the kind of like wacky genre melding that I think you only get in the nineties. Like now they yeah. would have just like popped and been on their way or something else would have happened, but we really got to fuse <laughs> these two people into one fly esque situation. The movie is fantastic. We just don't do anything like this anymore. And there really hasn't been any other like time travel crime syndicate movies I can think of past mm. this. We don't, we do like, I mean, just loop looper kind of. Yeah, a little bit. But, but uh, yeah, not, but, but that's more, I don't know if elevated is the right word, but it doesn't have that fun campiness to it that Time Cop has. No, and I think Looper is much more of like the character driven, and this yeah. is really mm -hmm. like somebody has a plan with time travel. They're still mm -hmm. keeping it after they've dismantled it. And which I really like that kind of forethought too into this villain of, oh, he's going to do this, and then he's going to get rid of the thing that's going to, allow anything else to work which i think is a great movie to pair up with this episode because we're now getting into concepts of talking to different versions of yourself working together crime in general and what it means for both of these movies and these characters i think when you look at what we're doing loki is now setting up this this crime mystery of of why and what and I feel like Time Cop kind of did that, but it opened with more of this almost men in black version of the dangers it posits to everybody. I think of that speech in men in black where it's, oh, you know, there's always a meteor or an alien invasion or something else going on. This posits that there's always somebody messing with time trying to get whatever they need to do it. And we now have Loki going through the same process. We don't know her end goal yet, but we do know that she's trying to create her own ripples and variables and whatever else that I'm assuming will further her own selfish needs. I, I don't see an altruistic goal at the end of this. I, and I can only assume that it'll be ruling. That's usually Loki's that's, plan. That's, a, that's usually what the Lokis want is to, to rule all. Uh, but it gets interesting. Yeah, why, why, why is the answer just creating so many alternate timeline like what do you get out of this is, is i wouldn't be surprised if it turns out she's not loki and she's um just out to 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 destroy the tva but <laughs> i wonder because so much of this show has been 
it opened with, I've been burdened with glorious purpose. And we then see the end of his road. He's then literally told that he only exists to fail, to push other people to be the best versions of themselves. So I wonder if she also knows that or has been told that and is now going to create as many different possibilities as she can to find out if that's true. To see if that, to test that theory, to just keep seeing if that works. She's bombing specific Loki moments, it seems. Jotunheim, Titan, Ragnarok, Nilfelm, all of these places that impact that character. I wonder if it's about creating a timeline where Loki wins. Not unlike our villain in Time Cup creating his own insane version of leadership. But I think it's interesting that we're now watching different versions of characters interact with each other. And I, I don't think, I guess we know that Endgame and the Marvel Universe doesn't have that same rule because Captain America fights himself mm-hmm. and doesn't destroy right. anything. So clearly that's okay. Yeah. So I think we're also seeing where the rules are different and what that means. But it's, it's interesting to genre bend this way because I feel like what the time travel elements did for these kind of crime thrillers were add elements for these characters to watch their own failure and it's less about raising the stakes and more about driving their agency to succeed he he watches his wife die he has to go back he doesn't even the character we follow ultimately loses in time cop but he knows that this new version of himself will like carry forward i told it totally made me think of days of future past again uh yeah like he totally had those Wolverine same kind of similar journey. Yeah, it's it's much more about knowing that you've created a better version than it is about any sort of like self-discovery. And I think Loki is going to be the antithesis of that. We're going to try to do in their minds the best version, but selfishly <laughs> with them and that them, not a new them at the center <laughs> right. of it. But it's very interesting. These all these time movie like Deja Vu is another like Denzel's movie. Uh, Deja Vu is another one that deals with time. And, and but like when you start, J- Jamie brought it up earlier. When you're doing with a singular timeline, it is easy. One, it's easier for the audience to understand, and it's more straightforward. But what happens is that's what when you create more plot hole issues because you're like, if you're doing this this to this one timeline, then this this and this should happen, like the butterfly effect type of situation. But when you're doing the alternate timelines, you get a a little bit of a leeway like hey we did that in this one that doesn't affect that one and it becomes a little bit more easier to digest anything that doesn't quite add up when you start like pulling at the strings well yeah it, it was so helpful in endgame when tilda swinton had like a literal chart that she I was like played. spell it out for me please like, you know that they're like especially people who aren't like like us who watch these movies over and over again and like really go deep like they need you need something to really lay it out yeah. Oh, I mean, Doc Brown does it with chalkboards. And <laughs> it's really Looper where Bruce Willis says he's not going to do that. I'm not going to sit here with toothpicks on the de- <laughs> diner table explaining time travel to you. Yeah. So it's it's funny that, you know, Time Cop doesn't do that because I think when you're choosing your time travel rules, uh, you have to sort of look at thematically what you're talking about. I think Back to the Future's core theme until the third one, which they were like, time is what you make of it and you can do whatever you want. And I'm a god now, Marty. 
you know, in Back to the Future 2, it was sort of the consequences of manipulating time. It's, a, it's about knowledge. It's about what you do with that and then going back and fixing it. You need to have multiple branches because the stakes of that movie are, well, we have to undo this alternate reality we've created. You look at something that I'm sure we'll talk about more in a future episode, but the Terminator movies is one singular timeline, but the core theme of all of those movies is fate. And in Terminator 2, it's, well, there is no more fate. It doesn't really matter. And in Terminator 3, you find out that it's quite literally fate and predestined, and all you do is delay the inevitable. Just move the time, like the uh, Final Destination. Like, it's coming. You're just moving the goalpost a little bit. And, you know, Endgame, for its own purposes, kind of blends the two and builds this time travel equals the multiverse. And we're just creating other versions. But as both Tilda Swinton and the TVA have said, if you can put those branches back together, it's fine. The reason Endgame's whole thing kind of works out and probably why Captain America's plan works out is that it realigns into the proper timeline at the end. He was just living his life with Peggy. He wasn't out and about crusading as some secret Captain America. Then he came back to return the shield and he did everything else. We put Mjolnir and the stones back. All of what they did just coalesced into one cohesive place. And I think that works for that movie because otherwise none of it works. I literally never pieced together that he's putting that hammer back until you just said it. That makes so much sense. I always just thought that Thor was like, just in case you need it. Just hold on to that in case some things go wrong. I always thought, what's other, what's past Thor going to do without the hammer? I've, this this has never occurred to me. And you <laughs> my of course he's returning the hammer. That makes so much sense. He's got to go wow. put it back. I've seen that movie at least 15 times and that never occurred to me. <laughs> the only one Let that... Me do this. The only one that does like it's in that end game thing. The only one that always I question is the soul stone because it's like, well, then hold on. That's when you start picking at things like, well, if you're going to just put the soul stone back, are you seeing the red skull? Like, how does this work? You just throw it in that down there. <laughs> I I don't know because you'd think that would also do something with Black Widow. There right. has to be another consequence to it. I, I, that is the one element because we just know so little about that stone and what it really does. Right. So I have to assume that, yeah, he showed up and Red Skull is like, look, the deal's a deal. Thank you for returning this, <laughs> like, but like, I, I can't it. fix anything else. Like, <laughs> right. This is a fixed point in time. Or so They're going to do some Doctor Who timey-wimey, but yeah, whenever you, I feel like whenever you're making your time travel rules, you really need to think about what you're trying to say thematically. And I think that's why Time Cop has a couple holes, because I think at the end of that movie, it, it's not that deep. No. <laughs> but I think Loki is going to have a lot of rules because it has specific things that it's going to say about its character and its world. But Correct. the other reason they needed to do the endgame rules is to avoid what my biggest problem was going to be, which is, are you going to make the 20 movies I've watched pointless? Irrelevant. <laughs> right. Oh, I don't think that. I, I, I would be interesting if we got, because like, we you know, we've talked like House of M like with WandaVision and stuff. And I don't think we're going in like that direction. But I feel like if like in any TV show when they end up in like they messed up time or whatever, it always goes back in the end. I think it would be really cool if we got like six movies in like an alternate timeline and, and then and then they end up back. I, I would be really into that. I would love it. I will stay in alternate places for as long as they'll let me. Yeah. 
that's where you really get to have some fun. I always think the best DC stories are when they're free of their main continuity. Okay. Yep. Uh, this uh, this is kind of backtracking a little about Timecock, but I, I just remembered this because I watched it with my friend Hodge and he told me this and I did not look it up and verify, but I'm just going to trust that it's true, that they that it was originally Timecock rated X and it was it was like they wanted it was almost rated X. And after that, like opening sex scene, I'm oh. surprised. Well, see, that's the thing like, with 90s movies, 90s action movies. The reason, the majority of the reason why they, they were like R-rated had nothing to do with the action or the violence. There's like, they gonna be fucking yeah i was like whoa they really went into it and and it's like and it's funny because i I was expecting them to do it again and they didn't and i think it's really funny like those like the 90s it was such a weird time but also i love that stuff i love some romance i'm more of like this romance was silly i'm like the terminator like the reason why i like terminator one more than two is because the romance that is a i mean it's a it's it's a romantic horror film is how yeah. i always look at that movie. which yeah. is amazing yeah. um but you know i the, this whole um this week of course be, the harley quinn thing where batman doesn't go down on catwoman because he's um heroes don't do that which is so stupid not my but, hero uh, right but um <laughs> i saw somebody tweeted this and i think it's it's true like talking about how marvel movies are pretty sexless like we have couples and stuff but there is there are no like good like steamy romances in like i love like i know bruce nat is not everyone's favorite but i love the party scene where she's flirting with him because that's like as See, sexy as we get it's really the only time that we get sexual other than the, the iron man one the sharing the well yeah well that stuff was dangerous but yeah iron man one that was pre-disney though like mm, that's the reason yeah. why that one does that's it. But like, part of other, it is you're getting yeah. into like mm-hmm. disney family four quadrant stuff they're, but they're the only gonna... one i think i can think of offhand is the sharon the sharon cap kiss that's the <laughs> only time that a kiss occurs and that and that's just weird well, they have now, other kisses. all things considered but <laughs> yeah i just feel like the intimacy part it does it doesn't exist in the marvel like yeah. the marvel oh, world. you know it's- we get a little steamier i mean you know uh like i'm like the, like the disney movies like even like i'm thinking back to like the parent trap which is like my favorite live action disney movie even that like you know he's like dennis quaid is like grabbing her ass and stuff just like give us a little something i mean we the, the only time that we got that and we get to see our characters doing that is like the netflix series like jessica jones was banging yeah <laughs> And we yeah. got Carrie Ann Moss banging yeah. 80s in that movie. Yeah. In that show. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I said when we were rewatching Time Cop to my roommate, I was like, you know, it's funny. This is how we did it in the 90s. We had these pretty long, but still like tender sex scenes. And in about five years, it's always just like smash cuts to loud screams, <laughs> clothes everywhere, the bed's diagonal, like. And we then just did that. And now Marvel and DC aside, I was like, it's interesting that we're starting to hire, you know, I have two friends who are intimacy coordinators on film sets, which is a you new friends role that created. Yeah. That's that's like, fa- that, I'm so glad that exists, but fascinating. I can't believe you know multiple people whose job that is. That's cool. That is yeah, fascinating. It's a, it, it's, a role, it's, a, it's a weird role that sort of has grown out of necessity um, for comfort for both but specific particularly for the, for the ladies of the, of that but for both genders uh it's something that should have probably always been there but well we know who was in control all the time so 
No, no, I think those straight white men knew exactly how <laughs> sex was. If there's one realistic part of Ace Ventura, it's that opening blowjob scene. <laughs> Who hasn't had to suspend themselves up and swing left and right like you're at a playground? No. Insanity. But I had that same thought. I was like, oh, we really don't do it like this anymore. I don't know that we need to do well, it. Well, even like, like that the action, the, the straight action movies that aren't Marvel or DC, they don't even have those types no, of movies. We don't really anymore. smash cut to banging anymore. No. And, and I'm very pro bang, as long as, you know, everyone involved is okay is, with it. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I agree that movies have gotten more sexless, sexless. And I feel like we've gotten in some ways more sexually liberated as, as a people, but in other ways, uh, more less so um, well you know what's weird i think it this is where how sort of just cinema and film and tv tv work a lot of the stuff that we would expect those indie films or that smaller type of stuff to go is now on tv like we get the sex scenes on netflix and showtime and hbo max whereas films are just like we're doing the big four quadrant movies and if you're not here for that we can't have a sex here go watch that at home on your streaming device that's, that's a good sort point of where it's gone. I mean, we certainly got it a lot in game of thrones right and bridgerton Yes. Oh, oh, Bridgerton was. Uh... No, we've had some. We've had some sure. steamy shows, but yeah. the, the the IMAX screen has gone sexless from. <laughs> oh God, I'm, I'm picturing Bridgerton at IMAX. Oh my God! So awkward for everybody. Just imagine that that laser IMAX with that ladder. <laughs> oh God! That yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know if high def cameras nowadays should be showing. That maybe they don't want to do the sex scenes on IMAX and Dolby now. No, that's enough. I'm really racking my brain to think of like the last movie I saw in a theater that had like a sex scene. Oh. Yeah, it would have certainly been before COVID. I mean, mm -hmm. nothing. I, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard was pretty sexless. Yeah. Well, that's not true. There was some. There was some raunchy. There's like. But it's like done for gag, so it doesn't feel sexual. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's weird. Spiral it's a weird fucked its audience. I mean, that's something. <laughs> I didn't see it. It's the first <laughs> song movie I didn't see in theaters. I mean, I guess I still have time, but I'm like, ugh, I'm over it. Yeah, and I'm just thinking of all the movies that I, I'm talking about seeing for the rest of the year i can't see any of them having it too yeah we're it's a weird time that this is going to be a thesis that i have to go down i'm gonna go down yeah. the rabbit hole blake that's and... our next uh, podcast <laughs> uh, where's the sex sex movies <laughs> what, i'm trying to like what what's the marvel show that we can pair with like with uh, erotic thrillers <laughs> uh i would have to assume that that would be Mm. no nope it's not there is it it's <laughs> no. not there i mean maybe she hulk just because tatiana is so like she's she's just so great and that i'd like to think of yeah i was just going down the i was going down the rabbit hole and i was like I, anywhere i step on these next three ones are all like ladies and some of them are minors I was like nope just no. gonna avoid this question yeah that's true <laughs> uh, that is i'm, I'm glad my friend everyone <laughs> maybe the Groot show <laughs> i do like the idea of going through some erotic thrillers but i watched body heat for the first time recently and it isn't very fascinating genre bound there's some good stuff in there oh i watched watch bound very recently too i love bound well i wish they would time travel <laughs> give me a time travel I... erotic thriller man yes. sign me up we're writing that 
<laughs> well, stay tuned for our erotic time travel thriller. <laughs> The Sheets of Time. Yeah, ooh. Nailed <laughs> it, the title. And until then, you can uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can follow the show at Hollywood ADI. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm at, as always, Blake. Jamie's at Jamie's Cinematics. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. And the show is at Hollywood ADI, all on Twitter. And we will see everybody next week. <laughs>